Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. It's good to be back. It's good to have all you back. I'm here with my two lovely ladies, as usual. The sharp edge of Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. What's happening, girls? Hey, hey, hey. hey. Doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to be back. He's good. Yeah. Too, even though we're not, dealing with not that. glad plethora. to be back home. Yeah, <laughs> even though we're dealing with a plethora of technical issues, we're um we're getting through it. We're standing strong. And we're back. Despite <laughs> all odds. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I've been traveling. It's I gotta tell you, man, getting back into my home and and it's like I'm moving in all over again after the the damage, you know. Yeah. So Corey had a lot going on. I had a wonderful friend and wonderful brother that helped get all this done for me, and. Um, so I'm still I'm still trying to find where all my stuff was stacked and kind of put it back together. I have piles everywhere, but I'm ready to rock and roll on the podcast. So I've been the last week I've been traveling trying to get back here and I I'm a little out of the loop on some of the stuff. Um a few of the things I'm 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 aware of, but so I think you guys are going to kind of take the wheel on this and I'm going to have some questions as we go and I'm sure I'll have some opinion and insight on some of it too. Yeah, well, we definitely need to talk about this vaccine passport. So we're on a very oh, yeah. slippery slope here when it comes to this stuff. Um, we're going to talk about Biden's $2.25 trillion tax infrastructure proposal. Hmm. A few articles here from Corey that we're just going to mention. And we're going to mention our podcast, get into that a little bit. Um, what else do we have, girl? Or is that really the bulk of it that we're going to get into? This whole vaccine mess, I'm telling you what. And and one other thing I just want to mention is, um, so so on this vaccine front, I have, I bullet pointed, <laughs> poor James. I'm always sending him 20 emails. And this, and this, and you have to include this. I need you to wrap all this up with your brilliant words because he's such a great writer. I'm like, dude, we got to cover this vaccine ID passport because it's getting out of control, not just in the U.S., but in other countries. And uh, right. so, he, so he's working on that. I'll be rolling that out next week. I've also been, um, I haven't just been traveling. Like I have been writing up notes upon notes upon notes, and I'm going to be working on a whole new section on my website that is dedicated to solutions. So I've been working really hard on that. I also have been digging into a lot of things I'm tying together with some future stuff that I see connecting and coming down the pike. So I started writing up that whole article. Um, so, and then I'm collaborating with someone on another project that has to do with solutions. So it's not that I haven't been working and I've just been, you know, having fun and traveling. <laughs> <laughs> I've been very busy. I have a lot coming out down the pike. It's just juggling it all, you know? Yeah. Well, yep. we, we, we do have to um, start adding solutions to this mess. Like I know we're all yes. in this huge uh, quagmire of shit is the best way to put it, whether it's mm -hmm. the world around us or our jobs being affected by these situations, our family life being affected by these situations. Um, it is time for solutions. And we, we, we normally do focus on the news and what's going on, but it is so highly negative that it, it, it is time for us to switch it up to and to add some positive uh, situations and solutions and things that we can all do as a collective to start fixing this up in the best way we can. Absolutely. Agree. Yeah, the news cycle for the foreseeable future is probably going to continue to be very negative. So it is tough constantly reporting on the negative and yeah. um, without balancing it out with some positive solutions to overcome these issues, these tough times. So we're going to try to incorporate that moving forward more and more and more in the podcast. Of course, we're going to touch on these topics today, like the COVID passport, but also mm -hmm. I want to leave some time for us to discuss some solutions um, in between each topic, maybe, and uh, some ideas maybe that we come up with off the fly or not. 
um, on how to overcome these things. But yeah, we definitely need to talk about this vaccine passport. I was wondering when it was going to drop here in the U.S. I've been watching it over in China, of course. I've watched it happening uh, and rolling out over in Europe, and I was waiting for this to come to America. So here we are. Yeah, there's like a dozen countries this is already rolled out in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're yeah. all in different stages, but... Well, see, it's a lot easier uh, for a place like China to roll out these sort of things because the populace legitimately has no say in it. Right. It's not like they can even uh, be angry about it and hold a protest because that doesn't happen in China. Right. They lock you up and throw you in a camp. So they're going to push that through. They're going to push that through. So uh, you have no say about it. Welcome to communism. And I don't think anyone's shocked that, you know, this is going to kick off in New York. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. Of course, they're going to test it and run their pilot program out of New York. So April 2nd, New York is officially launching their Excelsior Pass, which is this major, uh, you know, initiative for a COVID passport, essentially. And major venues like Madison Square Garden, Times Union Center, and also smaller venues are venues, entertainment, event venues, etc., are going to begin to use it to verify the proof of vaccination and negative test results. And of course, New York's Excelsior Pass is like a pilot test pilot for vaccine passports that they want to roll out throughout the country. And I was watching a local news clip in New York where they were talking about this rollout of the Excelsior Pass. And you should have heard the way that they were it was being sold to the public. It's all about how easy it is, how convenient it is. And they were on the streets and they were interviewing people on the streets that were excited about it because they were just dying to get back to their favorite luxuries, like, you know, going to Broadway shows and Madison Square Garden again. But they mm-hmm. didn't show anybody asking questions about the major privacy and control issues that a vaccine passport presents. Of course, that's the whole reason for these lockdowns is to provide is to deprive people as much as possible for as long as possible um, so that they're willing to do anything, including sacrificing their freedoms and privacies without questioning it just so they can get their luxuries and conveniences back right and this particular app is it so just so we're clear at least what it says in this article is that with the uh it's not that you necessarily have to have a mandatory vaccine to get in it's that it shows if you have been vaccinated or it shows if you've tested positive or negative so in other words you have to get tested to enter. And another important thing in here, and, and I believe Como's making an announcement um, publicly on Friday about this, which will come, of course, after we've published our podcast. But one of the other things it mentions in here is like wedding receptions and mm-hmm. capacities put on those. And, you know, I have a friend who runs a catering business. And this, this is... I can't, I can't even tell you and a, and a banquet hall. And I can't even tell you how devastating this past year has been to people in that industry. And this is just going to make it even worse now. And we know that they're going to, you know, New York is first and they're going to roll it out in California and Washington and Michigan and Illinois and on and on it's going to go. Yeah. In fact, the Biden administration confirmed this week that they're working with companies in the private sector to roll out vaccine passports. They're saying that the government role is not going to create, is not going to be to create the passports themselves or maintain databases of citizens. They're going to leave that to big tech companies to handle that because, you know, that worked out so well for us so far, right? That makes us feel so much better. (laughs) Government, big tech, same, same house. Yeah, yeah. So the Biden administration is going to issue guidances and criteria that these passports must meet, but the rest is going to be left up to the private sector. This way, the government can't be held accountable for installing a totalitarianism. We'll have a bunch of private companies to blame for enslaving us. Doesn't that that sound great? Yes. (laughs) So that's the shot, but here's the chaser. So the Biden administration 
is so concerned about equity, go on over to that that next tab speaker. Um, this is talking about the the White House rolling out and working with private companies. That they're they're really concerned about equity, of course, right? That's like a key thing that they focus on. They're saying that these COVID passports will need to be free and available to everyone, mm -hmm. even people who don't have access to technology. Now, my mind, of course, I'm thinking and looking forward down the road to their end game. And at what point, here's my question, at what point are they going to say, this isn't equitable? People without access to technology aren't being treated equitably. Oh, but we have a solution for that. Let's just do something like the ID2020 where we just insert the microchip into the vaccine and now it's free and fair and equitable for everybody, even people who don't have technology. Well, not only that, but there's there's been all kinds of, like I saw an article in Forbes and a couple other places where they're talking about um, the certificates, the testing certificates and the vaccine certificates, how there's forgeries and and fraud happening. And so are they going to use that and say, look, there's no way to control this through all of these apps. So we're going to have to move to a microchip. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, there's been a bunch of Republicans who have come out against this, of course, for the privacy yeah. and control issues. Marjorie Taylor Greene being one of them, she's really outspoken about a lot of things. And that's why they hate her. Um, she uh, said this would be this would mandate your ability to travel, your ability to uh, go to events, your ability to buy and sell. And then she went on to ask, is this something like Biden's mark of the beast? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> because it really is disturbing and not good, she said. And then she went on to say, this is what the Biden administration is trying to talk about with these private companies, trying to get them to do. It's still fascism or communism, whatever you want to call it, but it's coming from private companies. So I have a term for that. I call it corporate communism. So they're just basically passing the buck on to these private companies saying, hey, you guys do our dirty work for us. So we don't get the brunt of the, uh, the political toxicity that this is going to cause for us. Right. Which they will right. do anyway, because big tech is simply an arm of the state. And we saw that through the election. They yep. now are working hand in hand. They are one and the same. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing to point out here is um, I think it was Epic Times just came out with an article about, I believe it was in Washington, a uh, hundred people that had already gotten the vaccine just tested positive for COVID. Okay. So, you know, for people out there, and I realize our audience are not these people, but for people out there thinking that they're going to get some sort of freedom back through all of this, the, with, with uh, bad tests, right, that we already know are majorly faulty tests, with a vaccine that's not really a vaccine, and they think they're going to get this freedom by following along to these apps so that they can re-enter society. Yeah. Very twisted. It is very twisted and people I think are getting confused between the difference between uh, luxuries and conveniences versus freedoms and privacies because they're exchanging their freedoms and privacies for luxuries and conveniences through this COVID passport concept. But right. Ron DeSantis came out too this week and made some headlines because he said, look, we are not supporting this at all here in Florida, even if it's private companies. And I think we should play that clip because that was pretty awesome. Hey, can you turn the volume up, speaker? And then, yeah, kick it back to the beginning. Completely unacceptable for, uh, we are not uh, supporting doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. But these vaccine passports is, uh, it's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You want to go to a movie theater? Should you have to show that? No. You want to go to a game? Do you, no. you want to go to a theme park? No. So we're not supportive of that. Um, I think it's something that people have certain freedoms and individual liberties to make decisions for themselves. Right. I think this represents 
narrative. Yeah, that clip cut off because he went on to say, I also think that there are major privacy concerns. He said, you're going to give this over to big tech companies to handle? What are we going to have the fox guarding the hen house? This <laughs> is nuts, right? So yeah. he, they cut that part of the clip out. Thanks a lot, mm. the hill. But yeah, um, right? But yeah, I mean, so he obviously is concerned about uh, the privacy and control issues here that, uh, you know, the rest of us are concerned about. And here's what I want to throw to you guys, um, talking about solutions, like, what are some some solutions to this or some ways that we can overcome this. And I've given a lot of thought about this because I've, I think we've all seen this coming down the pike, right? Mm -hmm. um, on how to prepare ourselves for this. So um, I, for me, it's just been a mental thing where I've, I've asked myself, okay, what, uh, what conveniences and luxuries am I willing to give up in exchange for my freedoms and privacies? And, and I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to be going to concerts, probably. I'm not going to be going to uh, sporting events and probably not going to be flying. Um, right. But I can work around those things. Um, but I also think maybe we you know, need to think about ways of finding a community of like-minded people like us who are willing to do the same thing and work together locally on solutions to work around this. And then also supporting companies, because I think, um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene brought this up in her video where she was talking about this whole COVID passport, where she thinks, and, and I agree, that there are going to be other companies that uh, agree with us, that that will not be offer or requiring a COVID passport. And we just need to find those companies and support those companies, because I think that they, they will be making a lot of money um, if... Um, you know, because there's going to be a lot of people like us who are not wanting to get the, the vaccine and not wanting to get the passport either. Yeah, well, I think that at this point in the game, people that are working for the companies that are hardcore pushing these agendas need to think real fast <laughs> about who they're working for and uh, start looking for other work for one. So in addition to not supporting the companies, um, you know, by, by using their services or purchasing from them, no one should be working for those companies either. Um, also, you know, something Catherine Austin Fitz always talks about is pulling out of the big banks and getting with local community banks. That's so important. And also, you know, supporting your local farmers because they're gunning for food hard. And when they take this to a level of grocery stores of not being able to get in, um, which that is, I believe, going to go in the whole direction of Amazon, which is part of the article I'm working on. Um, so you do like what you were saying, how you think about what can you give up? What are you willing to give up? You know, st start just processing through your mind. Um, you know, how you're willing to adjust your living. And, and, and I know it sounds like we're saying, oh, don't fight this. It doesn't mean don't fight this. It's just, I mean, the fact of the matter is <laughs> the, the, the government's in bed with big tech, in bed with big corp. And so this is coming and it's coming fast and hard. And so we can fight and we can scream and we call our representatives, um, but what we can you know, but what we can do immediately in our own personal lives are the things like you were just talking about, Edge. And um, also, yeah. I think one way that we can work together and we should probably start planning this out now as it, you know, we still have a little time before this like hits everybody, right. but is, um, is organizing and, and preparing for legal action, like class action lawsuits against mm -hmm. companies that require this sort of a thing. Um, and using things like the HIPAA law, um, you know, uh, to, to back us up, um, showing our, our concerns about, you know, our medical information being shared um right. so um, well they make they make the claim that medical information isn't being shared it simply just says whether you've been vaccinated or not or tested positive or not so that's yeah, the claim but it's still i don't know if that's been challenged in a court if even saying something like that you've had a vaccine or that you've been tested is a violation or not right 
So right. I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's I don't know either. the kind of thing that we, we need to start kind of researching and thinking about and getting legal uh, minds involved in this who are willing to support, you know, our, um, our freedoms for, um, you know, our medical freedoms, basically. So, um, right. And like my dad just texted me last night. Now I didn't see this, but he was watching uh, Trudeau. And he was saying that, um, and I hope I'm remembering this accurately, but he was saying that over in Canada, that they are now requiring that if people test positive, they go into some government facility, um, not a pleasant looking one, and for 14 days to quarantine. And if they are unwilling to, they will pay a fine of a million dollars. And if that doesn't happen, they could go to jail for six months. So talk about hardcore. And like we were talking about before we started recording, you know, over here in the United States, they're going to roll these things out a little slower when it comes to that really hardcore, but don't think that's not coming down the pike too. Yeah. So let's, let's look at this passage here because it caught my eye, right? The passport okay. users verify that they have met either vaccine or testing standards and then flush QR code to enter uh, as opposed to providing specific details showing negative tests of the vaccine card. Okay, so now remove vaccine, remove COVID, remove testing, and just read this place. Flush QR code to enter. All right? Mm -hmm. How is that any different to a barcode on your hand or a barcode on your skin? Right. Right. And that's what I think that this is going to ultimately lead to. They're going to use the equity excuse and say people that don't have the technology to be able to flash a QR code, yeah. they're not being treated fairly and equitably. So we have to make it fair and equitable for everyone. Meaning when you get a vaccine, now that there's something uh, put on your body or in your body to confirm that you've gotten the vaccine. And for anyone thinks that thinks that's hogwash, and I'm sure our audience doesn't, um, you know, just look into Sweden because they all started putting chips under their hands a long time ago um, for more convenience. Not all of them, obviously, but thousands of them did for convenience factors too, <laughs> because it was just easier to have you go scan your hand and not have to carry things around with you. So you know, the technology is already there. We already know that this is where it's heading. And um, it is, it's important to run through your mind, like uh, different scenarios you're willing to live in, start thinking about where you might want to live, different communities and whatnot. Um, you know, I lived, I once lived in a trailer for a year while I was building a home. And through a brutal winter, I had no running water for three months and it was freezing cold. I slept with clothes on, hats, gloves. I had a cowhide on top of me, <laughs> on top of all the blankets, just to stay warm. I would drive, I would drive across the street and use the um, the outhouse at the park. And I would, you know, like once a week, drive out to a friend to do laundry. And um, and it was it was a little. It was a little tough, not to mention I had three animals in there with me. But, you know, you, you acclimate and you adjust and you learn. I can't tell you the appreciation I had for bathrooms and water after that experience. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that's, uh, that's something that society is missing as a whole, and especially the, the younger generation they have everything at their fingertips. They've right. had it so easy mm -hmm. through every walks of life, you know, especially city-born kids or this new generation that wants to bitch about words. They don't understand what it's like to grind. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't understand what it is to face the elements. Right. And, right. And it's and important. And, it. it's, and there's actual fun in some of that, you know, it's not of all. It is all hard and rough it you know so just i think um I mean, you look at some of the toughest people in the world and, that, and those are a lot of people up in the yukon and stuff like that it's like those people know how to live man they know how to survive if there's, right. a, there's a problem trust me they'll be fine 
The rest mm-hmm. of the world will be in shit. Shambles. <laughs> Especially suburbanites. Oh, man. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, Community it, and a support group, though. I think it's really important to find um, people in all different trades and skills and backgrounds and knowledge, you know, and get a really good group right. that you can keep in touch with and meet with and support one another and I think that's going to become that's going to be critical and and you'll be surprised at how many people are not so blind to these things that are happening maybe they're just a bit you know uh quiet about you know bringing it up and stuff for certain situations but like I I noticed the other day uh, while I was listening to radio in Australia while I was driving um on a pretty popular news channel there was a couple of these guys talking and uh something came up about uh some city councils are going to impose huge fines on people that don't recycle properly right Mm -hmm. um and one of the hosts you can see kind of he went off script here and you can kind of because he was ad-libbing this like and he was like oh well you know what's next you know they're going to put us all into camps and teach us how to do this and have tyrants turned on mm-hmm. us and you know he was going off script and you know he was really kind of saying how he felt and how he knew this was going to lead to and the other mm. host didn't really catch on i caught on i knew what i was like you, you you're breaking the line there mate you know you're supposed to you know <laughs> you know supposed to say exactly you know what um what this will lead to but you know right right so it's, yeah. it's it's not it's not like people don't understand it or don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who do, but um, a lot of people are concerned uh, with uh, the path, especially the West is taking. Right, right, yeah. All right, you guys want to talk about this drama with CNN's COVID war? It's kind of funny. I can't believe I missed this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So CNN aired this, I think, on Sunday, where they got uh, they did interviews with all of Trump's COVID task force and mm. uh, COVID COVID team uh, with Sanjay Gupta, and uh, of course um, Fauci and Burks were part of it. They also interviewed the former CDC director Redfield. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about Redfield's remarks were that he said that since he was no longer CDC director, he was free to say his opinions about the origins of the China virus. And he actually said he believed that the most logical origin to be from the Wuhan lab. Well, mm-hmm. duh. <laughs> but but it's, it's kind of remarkable that he actually said that and that CNN aired it, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, Fauci was um, asked to respond to that and Fauci sort of blew it off saying, well, that was just Redfield's opinion and there are alternative theories that most people hold by, that kind of thing. But anyways, that CNN um, special was pretty much designed to stir up drama about and, and really discredit the Trump administration's handling of the COVID uh rollout and the COVID task force and all of that. Burks acted like she was a victim, like she was constantly being watched and that Trump made her feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it was a very see, direct phone call. Yeah, you see that see that photo here? Look how, look how sad mm-hmm. and shocked she is. Great, great shot. I know. She's such yes. a victim. And Fauci, during his interview, he was clearly trying to discredit Trump and and what the Trump administration was doing. And he was claiming a lot of credit for things, including for the vaccines. He was saying that was the best decision he'd ever made. Now, I know people are very, this is sort of a controversial topic, and we've talked about this off uh, before recording is like, you know, Trump's. rolling out of the the vaccine and and all of our thoughts on the vaccine but um but nevertheless you know trump obviously spearheaded warp speed trump obviously rolled it out during his administration when he was facing opposition from everyone including fauci and burks to do that and what i wanted to get to because of course nobody cares about what cnn said or what burks and fauci said but what i want to get to is what trump said because i think it's pretty funny because he just obliterated 
Fauci and Burks in these uh, press releases. Uh, and we should read just a little bit of it. Um, based on the interviews, I felt it was time to speak out about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, two self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover for their bad instincts and faulty rec recommendations, which I fortunately almost always overturned. They had bad policy decisions that would have left our country open to China and others close to reopening our economy and years away from an approved vaccine putting millions of lives at risk. And then I'll just skip down to the bottom. Dr. Fauci is also the king of flip-flops and moving the goalposts to make himself look as good as possible. He thought me he fought me so hard because he wanted to keep our country open to countries like China. I closed it against his strong recommendation which saved many lives. Dr. Fauci also said he didn't need to wear, we didn't need to wear masks then a few months later he said we need to wear masks and now two or three of them <laughs> Fauci's, the, but the last line is just the killer Fauci spent U.S. money on the Wuhan lab in China and we know how that worked out <laughs> so he was just like not holding back and he did the same thing with Burks on the next tab over <laughs> the to, first line to be, to be devil's advocate here and and people know that I, I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. I think he was a great president. He did what he did. Uh, he did all he could. But I think the biggest harm was some of these people he put in positions. I mean, he put Fauci there. You know, no, I don't. Well, he know, did like, talk about this. Look, in the, the last thing, he was like, I only kept Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks on because they worked for the U.S. government for so long. They are like a bad habit. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Dr. Burks is a proven lion, liar with very little credibility left. And then he goes on to talk about how uh, she just had bad pseudoscience and how she should be called Dr. Do As I Say, Not As I Do. And he went after her for going um, on her trip to see family for Thanksgiving when she told the nation not to travel and all this. So he was just, he obliterated them in these comments here. No holding back. It just back. would have been nice had he done it, you know, a year ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, no, appeal. look, he's, he's human too. You know what I mean? He's, and I'm sure he's made mistakes. And the, but the, the thing that I think hurt him the most was some of the people he put in some positions. I know during the time we were like, you know, why is he doing this? He has to have a reason. Maybe he just made bad judgment calls. You know, uh, that's also possible. Right. Yep. Yep. Bad judgment calls. Let's talk about bad judgment calls. Green infrastructure bill <laughs> coming oh, down the pipe. Lordy. Let's just oh, spin Lordy. ourselves into oblivion. We've already spent, what, $2 trillion <clears throat> this last COVID bill. Let's uh, just, why not, two and a quarter trillion more uh, for green infrastructure. Um, so Biden's announced he's rolling this out, uh, spending bill to rebuild U.S. infrastructure and combat climate change, of course. Yeah, so. I was reading up on this whole thing this morning, and I got to tell you, all I keep seeing in every other paragraph is, uh-huh, smart city. Oh, okay, smart city. Yep, yep, that's going to go towards the smart cities. Yep. You know, they've got, let's see, electric vehicles. This proposal also includes $174 billion to invest in electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. The White House said will enable automakers to spur domestic supply chains from raw materials to parts, retool factories to compete globally and support American workers to make batteries and EVs. Meanwhile, he's going to take away, eliminate all tax breaks for oil and gas companies mm -hmm. and not give them any, any, you know, uh, oh, where is that one? I'm scanning down here. Um, oh yeah, he's called for eliminating special preferences for the fossil fuel industry, including oil and gas companies, and would require those companies to pay into the Superfund Trust Fund to help cover the costs of pollutant cleanups, and is going to put money towards the IRS so that they have more people to do audits on the corporations that they're going to jack up taxes on, that reversing what Trump just did. So they want to increase uh, corporate taxes from 21 up to 28%. And then the global minimum for, you know, overseas and everything on corporations is going up to 21 from 13. They've yeah. got 
85 billion into modernizing public transportation um 20 billion to new program to connect neighborhoods new projects racial equity affordable access while they're going to put 213 billion into building more than 2 million affordable homes with 40 billion into public housing smart city smart city smart city yeah, cramming everybody into these nanny state surveillance state smart cities so we can be monitored all of our every electric bus. vehicles and autonomous vehicles and Amazon's already on that. You've already got it's either 27 or 29 states have passed some form of legislation over the years on having autonomous vehicles. Did you I mean, see this part? Look, uh, hmm. let's see. Thirty billion over four years is going to research and development for preparedness for future pandemics and future vaccines, yep. which tells you exactly what they're planning for the next four years for us. Right. And the other thing with that is right now, and I would love for people who work at hospitals to comment below. Um, so what happened? You know, when we were in the I don't know, first six months of all of this, right? I was talking with a lot of people across the country at various hospitals. And what they kept doing is the news kept saying they're at capacity, they're at capacity. Well, they were closing off entire wings. They were closing down like three quarters of hospitals. They were only keeping certain mm -hmm. wings open in the ICU for COVID. And a lot of them didn't have any patients at all, or they'd have like maybe 10 patients and they're at capacity. They're moving people around to different positions who don't even belong in those positions. They've never been trained in them before. They're cutting staff. They, meanwhile, they're, they're funding the hospitals. So now the hospitals are at the mercy of the government and doing what they say. And now what we have, and I'd have to look up and see the actual results of this, um, but you have some hospitals and clinics that are closing down because they've gone bankrupt. So what's going to happen when hospitals in your area start closing down? Are you going to move? Are they going to start corralling and migrating people to where they want them to go? The, you know, a lot of nurses are now leaving hospitals and they're doing they're traveling nurses where they're making way more money. Um, so the whole healthcare industry has completely been altered, not just the whole virtual, you know, meetings with your doctors and stuff, but they've, they are, God, they're, they're literally bankrupting small and middle businesses, hospitals, they're, yeah. they're going after the food. I mean, they are, I think they want to consolidate all of the, that so that it can be uh, more easily converted into universal healthcare system, which is obviously what they've been dying to do since Obama. Um, and, but yeah, 400 billion for hospitals and elderly care facilities, because we yep. know Democrats care so much about the elderly, just ask Cuomo. Yep. Yep. It's but I love the problem with this sort of technology is it's not there yet. This uh, green renewable. I mean, once you can start getting to a, a place like cold fusion and stuff in the future, yeah, maybe, but you're going to destroy it. It's not there to supplement oil and gas yet. It's not there. So, yeah, if, ask Texas. So if, if, if you're going to just like smash those places down, going to have a very cold hungry dying civilization and then you're going to wonder why no they know that's right? exactly what's going to happen they want to do away completely with gas altogether they want to have everything running electric and they want to be able to control us through it and all of these autonomous vehicles that are going to have their own gps systems and i could go on and on into a whole <laughs> dystopian right. future but i and won't yes yeah and if you don't if if you don't have your covid passport the car shuts down you can't go anywhere right exactly <laughs> yeah, look yeah. The, he wants to give a hundred billion to build new public schools and upgrade existing buildings with better ventilation systems and indoor air quality. Doesn't that sound nice? Then the next sentence, the money will also go toward investing in energy efficient and electrified school buildings in order to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And then another 12 billion will go to the states to improve physical and technological infrastructure at community college. If you read through this, there's so much pertaining to technology 
And um, <laughs> big tech is, wow, they're going to just, they're going to make a fortune over the next decade. Oh, yeah. And, well, and this is going to be hashed out in Congress over the next month or so. So this is going to morph and, and into something even more monstrous, I'm sure, by the time it gets passed, just like the COVID bills have in the past. So, uh, mm-hmm. but this this eight-year-long plan, it's called the American Jobs Plan. Don't you just love the names they give None these puzzles? None of this even pertains to American jobs. That's the they, joke. They should just call it the tanking the U.S. dollar proposal or the exactly. cram everybody into smart cities proposal, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Oh, so solutions. Let's talk solutions for a second. Okay. Oh, so how do we, I mean, if we see this coming down the pipe, obviously they're trying to just completely transform our economy, transform the way we live, we work, we move around. How do we come up with solutions to overcome this? How do we live outside of their surveillance state smart cities? Well, I mean, personally, I'm thinking about moving to the country. I'm thinking about homeschooling, gardening, all kinds of things. What are you guys thinking about? Well, I'm thinking I'm looking at the way they have this broken down into categories going, gosh, this looks an awful lot like the notes. You know, I wrote up six pages of notes um, where I've broken it down sort of by industry, by housing, uh, transportation, um, the food industry, you know, healthcare. I've got a whole section of industries that I'm covering where I'm going to be bullet pointing some various solutions, none of which I have in front of me because it's in a pile of notebooks I haven't unpacked yet. Um, but, you know, I would say immediately reduce your technological footprint. So um, do everything you can to uh, limit, because the bottom line is there's little to no privacy left unless you are just completely off grid. So I would say ditch your smartphone and get an older phone, but I know most people would balk at that. Um, you know, buy an older vehicle if you're a mechanic and you can, you know, handle the repairs and whatnot, and you can handle driving an older vehicle that doesn't have all the GPS and the tracking and all the crap they have now. Even with software, they've done away. So like Adobe Creative Suite or Microsoft Office, which I think is now called 365 or something, you know, they intentionally did away with the um, purchasing the software programs and they say, oh, this is going to save you so much money because now you don't have to keep paying for the updates and, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So just do the subscription plan so that we can track you through it and we can see all your content in it. Um, there, there's so many ways technology wise where people can start kind of removing themselves from their open up a, a Google voice, uh, phone number, stop putting your phone number all over the internet, you know, filling out forms. Every time you fill out information, it just goes to third parties and on and on and on and on. Um, there's like, in my opinion, you need to sort of pull out of the system in every way that you can while using the system to your advantage. So, uh, you know, this is a big project I've been working on that um, I'm eventually going to get up on my website here, but I just don't have all my notes in front of me to give you a bunch of little tidbits. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we can talk further because this is going to be kind of like an ongoing conversation, Um, more solutions and more specific um, ideas, um, I think, in the future. But just kind of off the cuff, coming up with some thoughts that I've had, definitely been thinking about this, uh, about how I can alter my lifestyle to overcome uh, what I see coming in the very near future. And Um, As far as the economy goes, because I expect that with all of this spending, of course, we should see inflation um, and it's hard to know what to do with your money in that situation. Um, When you have the central bank planning um, a conversion into digital currency um, Mm -hmm. coming down the pipe at some point, 
Um, so I don't, I'm not a financial advisor. Just, these are my thoughts. Like, how do I protect everything I've worked for? Um, I think but, it's really important. But, uh, I think that for me, yeah. And I'm thinking more of like tangible assets that have intrinsic value, like my house, um, my next house, or like, um, ways that I can, things that I can invest in that are going to help me be self-sustaining. Um, like, Gold and silver is also something that people should look at investing in. Mm-hmm. In some way, yeah, I think it's. I think it's important to diversify right now because we don't know exactly how this is going to go. Once it flips to digital, it's, I think it's going to take a while to weed out the cash. That's just my personal opinion. And um, while that's happening, communities are going to have to start working on uh, the prior to that happening, actually, people need to get together in communities and start figuring out systems that are going to work for them. You know, obviously bartering and trade will be important. Um, maybe you have a pile of silver coins and in one area, it's great. That'll come in handy, but in another area, maybe there's nowhere that will take it, you know? So I think it's important to, like you said, have assets, um, build up some supplies and stuff that will, um, you know, that you're putting your money into to tangible things. Um, I personally, for me, I wouldn't be playing the whole Bitcoin market because you're just, you're playing right into their system. Well, I think that um, Bitcoin is probably the primary competitor of whatever the central bank is planning to roll out themselves. And so I that's- think it's part of it. Uh, I don't think Bitcoin is. Uh, I think whatever they want to imp- implement is, but I don't think Bitcoin is, no. I think it was a way to suck everyone in, mm. to get everyone into the whole digital currency realm so that when they get it going, um, that they will <clears throat> be able to pull people in that much easier. It's like starting a trend and testing it out and getting everyone to build it up. And now we're going to implement our versions of it. And I don't know what will happen with Bitcoin at that point, if people will jump to the other, if, no, they it, you know, if there will be more, I don't know how that will happen at that point, but I think it was all part of the bigger picture of how they're gonna flip to digital currency. Yeah, I'm completely the opposite of you on that. I don't think they have any, say in bitcoin whatsoever but other cryptos i believe yeah they possibly do but i don't think crypto is any way shape or form a part of their system but we can get yeah, into I, that later. Mm. I, I think that there's definitely some varying opinions on it and people well way more well versed on bitcoin than myself so like i try not to speak on it too much because like admittedly i don't know a lot about it and there's people way smarter than me on that topic that have different opinions than mine. But yeah, I've always been a little bit hesitant because I know that, you know, the whole thing that's rolling out through the uh, central bank um, pretty soon here. And I'd say probably what the next couple of years, maybe. Um, uh, so I, I just don't really know what's going to well, happen you know with that- Bitcoin. You know that I believe it's MasterCard and Visa and a bunch of other places are now accepting Bitcoin. Yep. Yeah, that's been moving for ages of certain um, places that were accepted Bitcoin because it's too hot in a way. I mean, it's $70,000 a coin now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Everybody's looking at ways to protect their money at this point because they see what's coming right but you you also have a lot of uh countries trying to ban uh bitcoin and crypto Uh, biden administration is one that's trying to push the ban hammer on bitcoin so they can put in their own yeah Mm. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to continue this uh, mm. solutions conversation. <laughs> well, we, we need to we, think more on it, too. We had other did, things there, but I think we kind of filled up the podcast. Where did the oh. tabs go? I wanted yeah. to talk about the Delta. Yeah, let's talk about um, yeah. we've got Corey's articles and our podcast, mm. too. Yeah, so I published this. Um, let's see. Let's say the 23rd or the 25th. I don't even know of March. So uh, somebody had sent me the information over of what happened to them. 
on Delta Airlines flying out of Atlanta. And essentially she was with her husband. She was flying from another destination. So it was a long day of flying. She was sick. She actually had like two inhalers with her because she was sick. So she went into the airport. She had on the mask. There's a picture of the mask right there that she was wearing, which the CDC says, they say a homemade mask made of a piece of solid material without slits, exhalation valves, or punctures. That is their guideline. That is what she was wearing. So she got through the airport just fine. And as soon as she went to board the plane, this flight attendant said, you can't wear that mask. You have to wear the other mask, the medical mask. So she pulls out, if you scroll down, she pulls out, you know, I call it the maxi pad mask. And um, (laughs) the other one just allowed her to breathe a little better because she was sick, you know? So they were flying first class. And this woman, this flight attendant had a bug up her butt. So every time she would, uh, so she switched it out though. You know, she listened to her and didn't argue one and switched it out, sat down. She was, she was eating some snacks. And as soon as she would finish swallowing, the woman would be like, you have to keep your mask on. You have to keep your mask on in between bites, you know? Good grief. <laughs> so then, so then, um, she just said she wasn't feeling good. So she took a nap and the mask slid down just below her nose. So the flight attendant jars her awake, wakes her up and it's like, you have to keep your mask on. And she's like, okay, okay. I fell asleep, you know? And so she pulled it up. So then she looks at her and she's just like, why are you doing this? You know, like she was totally bullying her through the whole flight. It was getting out of control. So then when they finally landed and she goes to get off, she's getting ready to climb out of her seat and you know, the exit doors nearby and the flight attendant says, comes up with a flyer in her hand says, you know, you can be fined over $13,000 and I'm going to report you. And, and she just, at that point she had had it and she, and she just took her mask off and started to walk out and she said, you're going to be escorted out. So, uh, uh, I don't know, a security type guy walked behind her and her husband and then escorted her over to this little desk where the woman had to take their information And she was explaining to the woman, she's like, look, I had my mask on the entire time. You know, I pulled it down to eat snacks and I even switched the mask out and here's my inhalers. I'm sick. That's why I was wearing the other mask to begin with, which again was an acceptable mask. And you are allowed to pull it down when you're eating. So she then gets a letter from TSA warning her that she could be fined up to $13,910 that, (laughs) that she unbelievable. I know. I mean, it's ridiculous. You can go in and you can see these letters right here. And I, you know, so I dug into TSA and it's not $13,910. That's for people who are coming on, you know, with assault or bringing a firearms on or explosives. The fine was like, I want to say it was like $250 up to $1,500 for repeat offenders of not wearing a mask. So then a few days later from there, she gets a letter from Delta saying that she was, you know, she was totally uncooperative and yada, yada, yada. And therefore they're putting her on no fly list. Oh my gosh. It's insane. Why it's very important. Always record interactions like this. Oh, I know. She wasn't so sick. She would have been videoing this. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm not criticizing. But yeah, I know. But I'm saying in in general, Mm -hmm. things like that, can completely save your life i mean there there is so many times that i have seen and in this uh, me too era it's extremely important for men as well this is kind of a good segue when we go uh, to the next topic but it's a good um it's a good thing for men as well because there has been a lot of cases of you know uh, people lying against rape, domestic abuse, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can you can find a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff where uh, the man has recorded it. And this goes for women as well uh, on, on an abusive spouse or in, anything like that. Uh, recording a phone conversation, saving a text message, recording an interaction in any way, shape or form. Those things can really, really help you. And you, you, you will regret it if you didn't do it. Right. Makes sense. Yep. So boycott Delta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Delta. Yeah, screw that. 
<laughs> you know, James also just put out a really good article. I won't, I won't go into it. People can read it, but I'll, I'll post the link. It was a really, really good article. Proper etiquette for agent provocateurs. I like it. <laughs> He's a good writer. He, he really is. So what did you guys recently work on? What do we do, H? What do we, we do? Just, we just put out a podcast on destruction of masculinity, and they're going hard after masculinity, because nowadays it's not enough to support women. It's uh, you If you, you don't disown your... <laughs> yes you, if you don't disown your masculinity you are now a misogynist so now you have to dress like women and it's just gotten so crazy so we got into it the psychology of it the uh, agenda all of it and we talked about a couple of instances speaker i know you wanted to bring up this instance yeah, well, in this, australia this was the reason that we kind of uh, decided to do that podcast because there's a school in uh, central victoria and i forgot the name of it but um what happened, which caused quite a, quite an outrage, especially with parents and stuff at this school, uh, because there is a lot of sexual allegations and stuff going on about the Australian Parliament at the, at the moment, and this is why that that this has occurred. Um, one school in Victoria made every boy in the school stand up and apologise for being a boy. Are you kidding me? Nope. Right. Uh, uh, they were forced to apologise, stand up in you know a group set. You know, uh, a, a group uh, meeting, um, and um, all stand up and pretty much, you know, disown their gender and apologise for being born a male. And the parents lost their shit, um, especially a lot of mothers. I mean, you you had a lot of a lot of these kids coming back, going, you know, why why do I have to do that? I'm I'm not a rapist. I'm not like this. I mean, right. and these are 12, 13 year old kids, right? Yeah, well, the faster you confuse everyone with gender, the faster we can move into transhumanism. Yep. And um, yeah, there was a lot of kickback over this, and the parents absolutely lost their shit. So, which is good. Good. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. lost their shit over that. Mm. Yep, we got to fight back. We got to fight back on this stuff because it's gotten out of hand. You know, it's a it's along the same veins of, you know, it's not enough to support people of color. You now have to disown your whiteness. Otherwise, you're a racist. It's the same logic Collect and it's <laughs> completely without logic. Collective guilt always leads uh, to uh, horrible things. Horrible mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And I, we're seeing it everywhere. So just needed to point this one out because it's it's tough man it's really tough um you know everybody has a male in their life you know um whether it's your kids or uh your family members or you're a male yourself but you know just right. to, to, to 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 watch this going on and it's just insane it's it's collective insanity is what it is right and, that's, uh, that's a good headline, Edge. Yeah, and personally for me, it's tough raising boys in this crazy, insane world. So you have to yeah. provide clarity for them and give them some discernment oh. on a lot of this stuff. Because because they're targeted. And like uh, certain things that we go into here is that you know men, men are being attacked left, right, and center. And at this point in time, we need more masculinity, not less. That's right. right especially in the role of fathers. And we got into that pretty in depth. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Check out our podcast if yeah. you have a chance. And so, check out Corey's um, articles. Yeah, so what we've been trying to do with these podcasts of late, because the news has been real negative and there's only so much that we can, you know, talk about or create a podcast around certain news events. So we want to kind of, you know, branch out into stuff like this and stuff that needs to be talked about and stuff that... Um, it's not unfixable. I mean, it it, it it only takes a few few little um, a few little tablets of information to change a person's you know mind or uh, the the course that they're going down or make them wake up to an agenda. And these sort of agendas, the ones that are attacking really hard, needs to be talked about. Needs to be discussed. Right. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we ready to wrap. Oh my god, my computer survived. Oh, you got knock my on, banner knock speaker? Knock on wood. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, put together a beautiful banner. <laughs> you, you, you drop it to me in 
jab again, I will uh, chuck it in here at the end of the vid. If my Next computer time. like uh, holds out, I lost. Next a time, I lost a fan before. That's what I was talking about. Next time, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I lost, we'll I get right on that. <laughs> no, I've been watching it for like an hour. I'm like, don't go up in smoke. Yeah, no, yeah. Right. it's okay. We survive, ladies and gentlemen. We're on borrowed time right now with speakers' computer situation. So we better wrap. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Foxhole, GabTV, BitChute, and Pill.net. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. 